Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear from Trevor Oldham, the founder of Podcasting You and host of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. Trevor has been running Podcasting You, a podcasting booking agency that helps real estate investors guest on podcasts. And after working with hundreds of real estate clients, he shares tips and tricks along with insights from his guests for how to start investing in real estate, grow your real estate business, and how to build credibility and become a go-to expert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. And I am super excited to talk to our guest today, Alicia Jarrett. And what I find super fascinating about her story is that she is a global real estate investor based out of Australia who conducts her deals in the US. Besides that, she co-owns multiple businesses, including Global Citizens Holdings, Inc., Land Scouts, Supercharged Offers, and WIL DA for Women in Business. She is focused on leadership in business and investing in land. Her business ventures provide efficient real estate marketing and world-class data solutions, which assists other real estate investors to digitally transform their business for increased results. I also want to mention that she's an experienced leadership, executive coach, and business management specialist. She has coached many leaders, including entrepreneurs, business owners, C-level executives, and she has a passion for seeing others lead well and succeed in their business and teams. Alicia, excited to have you on today. <laughs> Thanks so much, Trevor. I always, uh, it's funny when people read out that little introduction and you sort of sit back and listen to yourself and be like, wow, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, and, but I'm, and, just an, I'm just an everyday person, so... <laughs> Yeah, excited to talk to you today. And I know, as we had mentioned on the call, you know, I'm in the US, I'm on the Eastern Standard Time Zone, and, and you're out over there in Australia. So for me, it's it's nice. It's 4pm. But for you, it's an it's an early morning at, at 6am. So I commend it you getting is, up that early. Yeah, 6am <laughs> over here. But um, but as I mentioned to you, you know, we we made a choice to do business in the US uh, over four years ago now. So the time zone really doesn't bother us at all anymore. We, we get used to working in different different ways and, and different times just to, to make sure we can meet our customer needs. Going along with that and being from Australia and, and looking at the US market, way back when, as you got started into, let's say, into the real estate investing space, what was that journey like? Where was that light bulb moment where you're like, I want to start to go into the space and I want to build a business out of it? Yeah, the, the light bulb moment. So the light bulb moment came when... Uh, I, I was actually at a, it was called over here, the National Achievers Congress. And it's basically like two days of all of these guest speakers from around the world that come and talk about their businesses and give you, I guess, little inspiring insights into different types of businesses that you can get into. And this was right at the boom of when fixing and flipping single family homes was big. So this is probably going back about five years ago now. And, um, and I was there and I was listening to a few different opportunities and I was like, hmm, Fixing and flipping in the US, that sounds like that sounds like fun. That sounds like a great idea. So I signed my partner Matt and I up to this uh, this course and along we went. And again, we had no idea what we were doing at the time, but we, we went along to a course and learned a little bit more about how to start with single family homes. And uh, and from the minute we were there, we were hooked. It was just so eye-opening to realize, Trevor, the opportunity of what you can do in the States with not just real estate and, and real estate investing, but 
the access to information and different types of strategies and also the entry point to market was so different to what it is here in Australia. And we had done real estate here in Australia. It's not our, our profession, um, but certainly we'd done enough fix and flips and rental properties and things to know that the Australian market is very different. So we then started doing some fix and flips and uh, instantly got hooked. We, we loved it from that first deal. It was like, wow, that, that was great. And um, had a lot of fun in there. But then I guess, you know, as, as we all know, Trevor, real estate goes in cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, you have different ups and downs with different asset classes. And we really started to notice a few years back that getting really good deals for single family homes was starting to become a lot more difficult. So we then switched to doing land. Um, and we've now been doing uh, investing in land for about three years now, I think, coming up three to four, somewhere around there. So uh, so we've really changed our business as we've been going along. But that light bulb moment just came when it was like, there's all these opportunities out there. And sometimes we just need to think a bit bigger than our current environment. And, and that's what we did. And being an Australian, you know, where you mentioned fix and flip, and then now you're doing land investing. What does that look like from being so far away? Because I know sometimes people, they wouldn't even be, you know, interested in buying a real estate property outside of, of where they're currently living. And, and that makes people feel uncomfortable yeah. or, you know, and, and we're talking quite a, quite a bit of distance. Or was there ever like an- We're an talking aspect? the other side of the world and into the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but exactly. So was there ever like, um, ever a point where, you know, you had to become comfortable with just being so far away from where you're investing in? Yeah, I guess the thing there, Trevor, the the main thing to think about there is it's all about mindset. So we don't look at it as, oh, you know, we're investing in the US. That's just our business now. Um, And we never did have that mindset around location specific because uh, I guess Matt and I have worked in in previously when we were working in jobs and I've had my own company for more than 10 years in, in the leadership space as well. We've worked with people all over the world. Um, and so for us, working globally wasn't new. So whether or not we were doing property here or property there, that didn't really make a difference. What does make a difference is how you think about it. Um, because for us, it's still, if we think about our business as a real estate investing business, the property part of it is just the product. Mm. So that that's really as, as simplistic as it is. So as long as we've got enough product going through our pipeline, be that land and different ways that we're buying and selling land, then it really shouldn't matter where we are. And in this current day and age, Trevor, um, now one of the goals that we had early on in our business was as long as we have a laptop and a phone, we should be able to work from anywhere in the world. And there's enough technology now out there and different systems and processes and things that we've put in place that have enabled us to do that with ease. So I guess um, for anybody listening, one thing I would invite people to do is just pause for a minute and check in with the mindset around things because we still deal with people that, uh, particularly for our marketing business and supercharged office, Trevor, that are like, you know, I really struggle to think about investing in my next state over, mm-hmm. let alone another country. And we're saying to them, well, don't let that be the barrier because if we start to think about location and geography as a barrier, then we really limit our exposure to opportunities. Um, and we don't think that way. It's like, it's a product. Just the fact that it's in another country actually doesn't really make a difference for us. I couldn't agree more with that. And, and even for myself, when I'm starting to, look, to be looking out there and wanting to purchase my first investment property, where I am right now in, in Massachusetts, the numbers just, they, they don't make a whole lot of, a lot of sense. The properties are just, I don't, I don't know if they're overvalued, but they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty pricey. And to, the rents just don't match up with the locations. But when I look at where my fiance is from in New York, looking at those properties, the numbers do make a whole lot of sense. And I've started to gravitate towards that market. And, you know, for myself, it's been 
a little uncomfortable because I've always, I'm lived in Massachusetts my entire life. But looking at that New York market, those numbers make a whole lot of a lot more sense than than they would in, in my current market. So I couldn't agree more with that with looking outside the market that you're currently in. Yeah, yeah, and I think you've hit, hit the nail on the head there, right? Because it's all about numbers. Um, if the numbers match up, and when I say numbers, it's it's not just the numbers of when you're buying and selling a property, like what we get the property for, what's our spread in the deal, what we can sell it for, et cetera. Those numbers make sense. But it's also the other numbers about what's the market telling us? How many buyers are active? How many sellers are active? How many people are moving to that, that market? Um, what's the infrastructure and investment in infrastructure in that market? So all of those numbers add up too. And I think sometimes if people were to take the emotion out of it, you know, where they're attached to from where they live or what they know, take the emotion out of it and come back to it purely from what do the numbers tell us? What does the data tell us? Then that makes it a lot uh, a lot more business-wise to, to make those decisions. Exactly. I couldn't agree more with that. And running a, a business that, you know, would be considered a global business, what has it been like? You know, I'm sure that you're, you're not running, doing it all on your own. I'm sure that there's a team behind you. So what's that process and been like of building a team and growing a real estate team from almost like different continents? Yeah, exactly. It's actually been pretty easy, to be honest. So um, I guess uh, the, the way that we approach our team is purely from, you know, building relationships and maintaining relationships. So very early on, and I've, I've mentioned his name quite a few times in some of my other podcasts, but we reached out to a bunch of realtors uh, very early on. And this was literally days, our first couple of days into our business. We just jumped on the phone to a bunch of realtors. Uh, we'd already picked Florida by that stage as our target market. And we just jumped on the phone to a bunch of realtors and said, hey, we're in Australia. We're looking for a realtor who is investor friendly that can help us out with some of the strategies that we're doing. And, uh, and interestingly enough, Trevor, only one realtor called us back. Oh, wow. And that realtor is, uh, is Michael Cassidy, and he's based in Jacksonville, Florida. And he's still on our team to this day. So he's our boots on the ground, if you like. Um, he's also now a very close personal friend. And um, he helps us out with some of our deals. He now joint ventures with us on some of the land that we do. And, and he's been an integral part of our team. And from him, we really built our team up from there because he was able to introduce us to local title companies, local probate attorneys, um, different people that, that we started to build a relationship with. We've still got the same title company on our team um, that helped us out with one of our first deals. We've tried other title companies, but we just seem to have a really good relationship with one in particular. Uh, and, um, and so they're part of our team. Outside of that, as we grew our business, we realised that um, I couldn't be the one taking all of the buyer and seller calls all of the time because, you know, we're doing anywhere between 10 to 15 deals a month on average, mm -hmm. which, which is a lot. And um, so I needed to almost project manage those deals rather than getting in and speaking to our buyers and sellers. So we then started to grow our team out and we now have um, four people on our team that are our customer service representatives. Uh, they're based in the Philippines and they are wonderful. So they take all of our calls for all of our buyers and sellers and process all of those leads and deals. So our team just keeps growing as we go. And, um, and that's been super exciting too. That's phenomenal. And, you know, going back to, to land investing, I think it's something that I found fascinating that I didn't even know was a possibility, you know, in, in real estate as of probably a year or so ago. And I had a conversation with another land investor the uh, earlier this week, and, and he was showing me his deal that he had done. And he basically had bought a plot of land and he was subdividing it. And he was showing me the profit that he was going to make off it, which I thought was <laughs> was quite a good amount. And I should have been charging him a little bit more for, <laughs> for our service. But I'd love for you just to go into a little bit more for someone that doesn't know what land investing is. And, and how it works and, and how you make your money off of it. 
Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, there's a couple of different strategies, but first and foremost, it's about going and finding off-market deals. So there's a lot of land out there, Trevor, that, that realtors don't want to deal with, that land that has problems, it might be landlocked, it might be taxes, liens, probate issues. So I guess there's, there's a, an entire market out there where people might want to get rid of their land, but realtors haven't really been overly helpful for them. And I don't blame realtors, by the way, because I think, you know, realtors make their money on commission. And if a land, a piece of land has a lot of problems or it's not worth much, then that's not going to be good for them either. So we're really going out and targeting people that have off-market properties. They've been sitting on these properties for a long time. It's got no improvements. Nothing's been done to them. And um, and maybe, just maybe, they're in the, the, the right, right place, right time where they're interested in getting rid of the property. But if it does have problems, it's also about partnering with somebody like us that can help them through those problems. So first of all, we find a deal. We then make sure that we can fix any problems on that particular property. And then we do a number of strategies. So one of them is we, we fix those, those issues for the seller. We put it back into the market to be purchased. But let's just say we're buying it for, say, 50 cents on the dollar. And the reason why we discount that so much is that we're, we're investing our own time and money to fix the problems on the property and help the seller out. So they're, they're willing to take a cut in order to get rid of the property. Then we're maybe putting it back onto the market for, say, 70 to 80 cents on the dollar. So our profit is made in the spread of that deal. But equally, that's where we're doing most of the work. So between getting it from the seller and getting another person to make use of the property, because here's the thing, a lot of sellers, people out there have heard of FISBO for sale by owner. A lot of people that have land try and do that themselves as well. They'll advertise it themselves on Zillow or land.com or Facebook or anything like that. But they don't know how to market it. They don't know how to manage buyers that are coming through because they haven't done it before. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of the times they try and sell it and, and they fail. Uh, and it's not their fault that they fail. They just don't know all the intricacies of how to, to manage the deal. So we get the property, we then sell the property. And where we make our money is, is two things here, Trevor. One, we make it either on the cash purchase of the deal, so the difference in the spread, but often, and this is where I, I love uh, what we do with, with land as well, often most of our, I'd say more than 50% actually of our properties, we do seller financing. So we then buy the property from the, the, the seller. Our buyer then gives us a, a deposit for that property and we enter into a financial agreement where they pay it off over time. So we're the seller, we're financing the property for the buyer, um, and that creates a, a really nice cash flow opportunity as well, Trevor. And the reason why I love that is there's a lot of buyers out there who are good, genuine, hardworking people that they want to get a property and build a house on it and, and, you know, create their dreams for their family. But due to things like credit score or, you know, history, financial situations, banks won't lend to them. So, you know, we look at that and go, well, everybody should have a, an opportunity for home ownership or property ownership. And so if we can help them do that, um, everybody wins. So that's the way that we make money with land. So it's either a cash deal where we, we get it from the seller, we then find a buyer and, and take the difference within the spread, um, or it's a seller finance deal where we can actually help somebody over the long term to get back into property. And when you're, and you have these deals that, that are out there, you know, obviously you can go on to like a Zillow or, you know, one of, one of those MLS sites and, and you can find land. But when it comes to off-market deals, you know, I've always out of, you know, it makes sense when you're talking wholesaling and flipping a house, you contact those people. But when it comes to land investing, is it, is it a similar process of buying off, exactly the same. Buying off not, not so much deals, but buying off market land, I guess? Yeah, exactly the same. So we are, 
Um, one of our companies, Supercharged Offers, and we've got another company called Property Wizards that is a, a data um, organization, or I'm not going to use the word data, we're more of an information organization, uh, where we have access to every single piece of property data across the whole of the US, all of the owner attributes for that, and every single business across the US as well. So we've got a, a huge database that sits behind our organization. We've invested really heavily in the technology around that too. So what we do, first of all, is, is we filter the data and look at well, where, where are the properties that we want, what are the types of uh, sellers that we want to also speak with, and we, we do exactly as you would do with acquiring wholesale deals. We send them direct mail, but in addition to doing that, Trevor, I think one of the things that differentiates how we approach our business as opposed to a lot of others out there is we're sending direct mail, but we also use that data to reach those customers in on average seven to 13 touch points. Mm. So we take that data and while we're doing direct mail, we're also social matching them, finding out where they live on a, on an online world, you know, Google, Facebook, Instagram, putting ads out in front of them, um, directing them to our sales page, landing page, uh, doing a whole range of things that really creates an opportunity and a customer experience for the sellers to come to us in, in ways that suit them. So we're still direct contacting them for off-market deals and, uh, and then nurturing those leads through to, to closing, just exactly the same as what people do with um, single-family homes, but uh, just a different asset class. That's excellent. And, and I know you mentioned your company, Supercharged Offers, and I'd love for you just to go into a little bit more about it. And, and let's say that there's a potential investor that's listening to this episode today that just wants to learn a little bit more about Supercharged Offers and, and what you're able to do for them. And I'd love for you just to share the, the capabilities and, and all, the cool, yeah. all the cool things you can do. Sure, sure. There's a lot. We could probably do a whole other episode on this because um, we're quite passionate about uh, marketing and how marketing can be really efficient and, uh, and good for business. I do believe that there's a, a huge gap in the market around the understanding of how marketing works and, uh, and what good marketing is as well. Um, and I don't want to discourage anybody that's gone out and got real estate education because there's some really fantastic educators out there, but the educators are teaching you how to do a deal. They're not necessarily telling you how to do good marketing. Um, so what we did a couple of, uh, oh, this is going back probably about two years ago, Trevor, again, one of the, the benefits of being in, in another country is always asking ourselves, how can we make our business processes and systems more efficient? So we sat back a little while ago and said, okay, how do we make sure that our pipeline for our acquisitions is always working and always having leads and deals in it? So uh, Matt and I pulled together a program purely for our own business where we looked at a consistent process of making sure our data was always up-to-date, filtered, ready to go, making sure we always had three months of mailings planned at a time so it wasn't just mail this week and then wait for a deal to come in and mail next week and wait for a deal to come in. It was, it was always making sure that mailing was going out. So making sure our data and our mailings was automated and always going, then making sure that we're building out a customer experience, as I mentioned before, for our sellers from an acquisition side to bring leads our way. So whilst we're doing our data and our mailings, we've got ads going out to Facebook, Instagram, Google. Um, we do retargeting of, of, of those ads for our sellers. We're doing things like uh, linking our data to USPS for informed delivery. We're also tracking all of our mail and making sure that when our offers are delivered, we're then skip tracing those people and either getting our team on the phone or doing a ringless voice or an SMS and saying, hey, we sent you an offer this week. We'd love to talk to you about your plans for your property. So we're always making sure that we're capturing any opportunity to build a relationship and start a conversation with our seller. 
So we built that purely for ourselves because we wanted to increase conversion and we wanted to make sure that our pipeline was always working for us. Because here's one thing, Trevor, for those listening that are doing real estate investing, no matter what asset class you're in. We see a lot of people out there, Trevor, that these are good, hardworking people. They'll go and focus on acquisitions and get all their mails, mailings out and do their marketing. And then they'll get a couple of deals through and they'll turn around this way and try and get rid of the property. Like if it's a fix and flip, they'll focus on that. Or if it's, you know, wholesaling land or wholesaling properties, they'll, they'll be focused on disposition. Once the deal's closed, they turn back to their pipeline and it's empty mm. because they haven't been focused on it. So, so it's really, you know, one of the things in this business when you talk about real estate investing is the consistency of deal flow as you're going through. So we purely created that for ourselves um, because every product that we built, we use. And uh, we didn't really mean for it to become a business, but then we shared it with a few people and they were like, this is awesome. Can you do that for us? <laughs> and then Supercharge Office was born. So, you know, 18 months uh, later, um, once we really launched it as a business, uh, we've got loads of people using it and um, and it's really exciting that the types of things that we're able to build for people. And one of the, the main things when I talk about building it for people, we actually build out an entire acquisitions engine for them. So everything is kind of working and all they then need to do is focus on when that phone rings or when someone emails back and says, I'd like to get an offer, I'd like to accept your offer, all that they now need to focus on is closing that and converting it and nurturing those relationships. So, yes, yeah, so the Supercharged Office is working really, really well and we're absolutely loving some of the results that our customers are getting. Oh, that's perfect. That's, uh, that's phenomenal to hear. And just out of curiosity, you know, as you've, you know, as you've been building up your business, has there, I don't know, have you ever experienced any difficulties or, or any challenges, that, maybe even setbacks that you've had when building up your real estate business? That goes without saying, Trevor, and I, I think that uh, the, the business 101 response to that is no matter what business you are in uh, and what business you are building, there's always going to be challenges and, and things that happen. You know, some of the challenges that we've had is finding the right team members, for example, mm. to, that really have the same values that we have and the same approach to customer service and customer experience. So with our team of four that we've got now, we absolutely love them and they work brilliantly together. But we had to go through a few people to, to really make sure that we had the right, uh, right, mm-hmm. right mix there, if you like, as well. So, you know, finding the right people to surround yourself with, that's, that's one of the challenges. Making sure that you have um, the right systems in place. So early on, when we were first doing the land business, before we really thought about how big we wanted to go with it, we were using Google Sheets to run our business, which might sound crazy to some people out there, but you have to start somewhere. So one of the challenges that we had early on when we really started to get some deals through was what are the right systems and processes that we need to put in place to really manage how we want to run our business, how we want our pipelines to be to, to be managed, how we want our sellers and our buyers to be nurtured and managed, et cetera. So that's a good challenge though. I think in business there's good problems and there's bad problems, but you always want the problems that lead you to a better outcome or a better solution. And looking at systems and processes is one of them. So getting that up and running was a big challenge because we've built a quite a, a customized and detailed CRM, so customer relationship management system, that um, that works our deals the way that we want. But that took time, effort, money, um, all of those things. So, you know, one of the other challenges that I think comes with this business is knowing what to invest in at the right time. Because for people that are growing their businesses, you know, cash flow is everything. You need cash flow to keep your business going. 
Um, but then there's certain points in time that you need to take from that cash flow and go, okay, now is the right time to pivot and invest in a CRM that's going to help me manage my business or take some of that cash flow and go, okay, now is the right time for me to grow my team and add another resource. So always making sure that you've got a strategy and a plan in mind as to how to scale. Uh, and that's been some of the things that have been positive problems for us as we've gone through. Um, but that's the way that we look at them. Positive problems. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a great spin on it. But you know, I want to be respectful of your time. I know that we're coming up on, on half an hour and, and I just wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions before we close today. And, and this sure. is, yeah, and, and this is, this is one question that I've been asking every guest that I've been interviewing and, and just more or less just out of curiosity, but where do you think the real estate market is heading in, in 2021 and beyond? Yeah. Great question. I wish I had a crystal ball, but, uh, you know, because I, I don't think anybody predicted what COVID would do. But um, I think 2021 and beyond, so for our asset class when it comes to uh, land, it's never been hotter. So I am predicting that there will be a lot more people buying and selling land over the next, um, you know, short to medium uh, term. And the reason for that is the environment in which people want to live is changing. So we've really noticed, Trevor, over the last perhaps six months or so, uh, we're getting a lot more buyers coming to us now saying, I actually want to get out of the city and I want to go, you know, maybe just 10 miles out of the city, not too far, where I can have a couple of acres, where I can build a property so that my family has space and I can kind of keep my family a bit safer. I can, you know, put some fences up and, and make my own little piece of paradise for my family to live in. Um, so people are wanting to live a different way and, and investing in land has been a part of that. So I'm predicting that it's going to be a really good year for land. It already had started to be an amazing start to the year for us for, for land. Um, and there's lots of people that equally want to liquidate their assets around land as well that they've been holding on to for a while because they're looking at other markets and other things to invest in. So I'm thinking it's going to be a good year. I am seeing though, for those that are in the single family home market, and I only say this because we have some really wonderful customers that use supercharged offers for single family homes. That's becoming even more competitive to get a good deal in a home to be able to wholesale it or fix and flip it. So I, I don't know what's going to happen in that market, but I'm seeing some some real push and pull points with uh, with the single family home market. Equally, we've got customers that are dealing in multifamily homes, and they're they're finding that business is great. So um, and mobile homes as well. So you know, different asset classes are going to perform a bit differently. I think based upon what us humans are doing. Exactly, and I think it's a great answer. I think our audience uh, will find that very insightful. And, and the second question I want to ask you is: Do you happen to have a favorite real estate investing or business book that you've read? Um, business book or investing book? Oh, there's lots of them. Actually, you should have prepared <laughs> me for that one because I should have gone to my bookshelf, which is just over there. Uh, so I, I guess there's quite a few, but um, I'm, I'm going to go with one of the the old favorites. But I I really love Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think that's a, a great way to look at how we invest and how we look at you know cash flow and building out cash flow engines and the type of investor that you are I think that's a great one and the other one that I've really loved over the years is uh, it's called the e-myth by Michael Gerber and um, and that book the e-myth being the entrepreneurial myth not electronic myth or, or e-commerce or things like that so e being entrepreneurial and, and what he talks about in his book is really interesting because it says you can be great at your craft, but running a business in it is an entirely different skill set. So, you know, you can be great at uh, doing a real estate deal, but then setting up an entire business to scale that is a totally different uh, skill set. You can be a great hairdresser, 
but owning 10 hairdressing salons is another different business entirely. So what the e-myth goes through is really thinking about what you're good at and also what you're not good at and how you need to build skill in different things to be able to run a business. Those are two perfect books. And it's funny that you mentioned that I was talking to uh, to another investor earlier today and I asked her the same questions on the, on her favorite books and she happened to also mention Rich Dad, Poor Dad and then also the E-Myth. So definitely anyone that's listening uh. to definitely definitely recommend both those books as they're, as they're getting uh, promoted quite, uh, quite a bit. That's great. That's great. Fantastic. <laughs> Most certainly. And the last question I have for you today is where can our audience find you? Yeah, yeah, wonderful. I'd, I'd love for anybody who wants to reach out and ask more about, you know, how we're approaching our, our marketing in our business or what our plans are for our land business. I'm more than happy for them to reach out. So they can reach me at email at uh, Alicia and that's A-L-I-C-I-A um, because it's, it's spelled differently to how it's sounds. So Alicia at superchargedoffers.com. Uh, or they can call my team on 888-538-5478 or go to our website, which is www.superchargedoffers.com. Um, and on there, there's a, a whole bunch of resources that they can download. So we have a business growth plan on there. So for people that are wanting to, in, in real estate, really think about their business strategy. Because one thing I really see missing, Trevor, in, in this industry is there's a lot of people that just go for it and, and go and try and find deals, but don't really think about what's their business strategy behind things. So we've got a free strategy guide on our website, as well as a free ebook, which is um, really looking at the combination of why combining print and digital is really critical for the customer experience. So people can go to our website and download both of those for free. Yeah, that's excellent. And everyone listening, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes when the episode goes live. So feel free to check that out on our website. And thank you again for your time today. And I'm sure our audience enjoyed it. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Trevor. I appreciate you uh, uh, inviting me on and it's been great to share our story. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investing Exposure Podcast. For full show notes on today's episode, go to podcastingyou.com. That's podcastingyou.com. If you have feedback from today's episode, feel free to email us at trevor at podcastingyou.com. Thanks for listening.